You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I write about the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis, and today we are breaking down the Bears Top 100 list as put out by the official team site. I'll be joined by Sean Sierra, who's the host of Sean and Maya in the Morning. You can find them on Twitter at the Sean Sierra. That's S H A W N S I E R R A. He's a former football player himself, a high school coach, and again, does his Chicago sports radio show right there down in Chicago. He's had me on his show a number of times, and I always like to return the favor and bring him on here to break down this Bears top 100 list. We'll go through what the Hall of Fame writers Dan Pompey and Don Pearson got wrong what we might agree with as we look through, you know, the, the top 10, some of the big names on there, and then look more individually at a few players and, and how they stack up with either guys at similar positions or from similar eras that happen to be in slightly different spots on the list than maybe Sean or I might see them. So the time of year we're in right now is never one with a, a ton of substantive football discussion going on, but the bear site giving us a little bit of a dang, maybe maybe a low hanging fruit here, but a carrot on the end of the stick nonetheless. With their top 100 list, with Dan Pompey and Don Pearson, the the Hall of Fame writers, ranking these guys coming out. Uh, it's it's obviously a, an exercise in in uh, futility sometimes trying to rank players across different eras and and different uh, you know styles of play and different positions, obviously, and different NFLs in general, but. It's, it's still a, a fun opportunity to, to kind of go back through Bears history and reminisce here. And uh, yeah, I know you're obviously a little older than I am, and I, I wasn't even alive in 1985. But w- when you talk about the all-time Bears, there's no way anybody but Walter Payton is number one on that list, right? I mean, there's no discussion. No, that's a, that's a given. That's a given. There's no if, ands, or buts. It's not, that's not even a topic for discussion. Yeah, I, I, and, 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 as it should be. But there, there is a but in number two with Dick Butkiss coming in second on the list. Is that, you know, when you're thinking of after Walter Payton, second best Bears, certainly Dick Butkiss is, is right there. But, I mean, is he your number two? And I'm not going to go through, you know, all 100 just like this, but just to kind of go through the top here. You know, when you're thinking of all-time Bears, does, does Dick Butkiss jump in number two? Because there's a lot of, you know, after Walter Payton, there's a lot of guys that I think are pretty darn close neck and neck. Yeah, that's one, Lauren, that you can, you can kind of, uh, put a few guys in the, in the few names in the hat and just pull one out. And I think, uh, you'd have a lot of, you have some people say, okay, this is good. And you have some people say, no, it should be someone else. So there's about, you know, two or three, maybe, maybe four guys, um, you know, his teammate, Gail Sayers, uh, needs to be up there as well. Um, that is, uh, you know, and unfortunately he had a short career, but that's awesome. Um, uh, wow, uh, Harold Redgrange, uh, as well, you know, the up there, you know, you got, uh, you know, so it, it's, there's a couple of names. I'm trying to think of more, but, uh, off the top of my head, Harold Redgrange and, and, uh, and, and, uh, the Kansas Comet <laughs> deserve to be up there too. Yeah. So and, it's tough. You know, like the top five, you can't really, 
are, I mean, generally speaking, in some order, you know, it's Walter Payton at one, and then in their list they have Dick, Dick Butkus two, Bronco Nagurski three, Sid Luckman four, Gale Sayers five, even you go down to Mike Ditka at six. I mean, of course, all of these names are going to belong in that top pantheon of Chicago Bears, but I wanted to start with Sid Luckman at four because the quarterback position here, you know, in Chicago has been a a, a very troublesome history, one that. Uh, We've been looking for hope for a long time, and you know Sid Luckman playing back in the '40s and '30s when when he did, and I guess I don't know the exact years off the top of my head, but it was long before you or I were born, or even our our maybe our parents weren't even alive then. Yeah, 1939 was his first year in Chicago. It's so hard to compare somebody like that to say Jay Cutler, for example, the the franchise's all-time leading quarterback, you know, in, in in passing yards and completions and touchdowns and and all that good stuff. I mean, I, when when you think about Sid Luckman, I mean, we, we weren't we weren't alive for it, but how do you kind of value and evaluate a, a player from the 1940s as as successful as he was? It's tough, you know, it, it really is difficult to 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 cross eras like that, you know, because of the athleticism, because the the skill, the skill sets that you had back in the 40s and then in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, they're completely different. You know, they're the, the game is different. It's really tough. It's just kind of how what impact they've had um, uh, on on the on the team in that in their specific era. So, um, I guess that's the way you would do it. Is just kind of see what exactly what impact they had. Yeah, because you look at somebody like Jay Cutler versus Sid Luckman here. I mean, I, and I don't, I don't want this to just be an apples to apples comparison here, but like Sid Luckman led the NFL in 1941 with a completion percentage of 57.1 percent, and I, I don't believe Jay Cutler ever had a season below 57 percent completion. And I mean, those were the days when uh, you know 120 pass attempts in 11 games. You know that's that's pretty good, and and that's you know uh, two or three weeks for a, for a modern quarterback. So it's 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 a very weird kind of mix to to evaluate there because I I just I don't know I I don't I don't know what how, how I can sit here and and really compare a quarterback. But you know if I guess the legend that Sid was with with all the winning that he did there and some of the all time great games. He was involved in and, and even being a pretty successful passer relative to the time he was playing. And, you know, given the opportunities he had to pass and the the lack of, I guess, c- complexity to the NFL passing game when everyone was running, Sid Luckman was able to to have that success. And, and he's a veteran as well. So it's a yeah, it's it really is a, a strange kind of mix. And it, it, that's what happens with a lot of these names in the, in the top you know, top half of this list. You mentioned Red Grange. There's guys like Bill George and Bulldog Turner that that played in the 1950s and and and, and even 40s before that. I mean, did you give some of these guys credit because more credit because they had to play multiple positions? You know, some of those guys, uh, Bill George played linebacker and I think offensive line or or fullback. If I'm running, or I think Bulldog Turner was fullback and linebacker and Bill George was offensive line and linebacker. I mean, how, how much more credit do you give those old time players for having to play two ways and, and even having other jobs just, just to pay their bills? You definitely got to give them uh, a little more credit because that's tough. You know, the, the technology wasn't the same. Uh, the training, the training technology especially wasn't the same. And, you know, you, you're playing both ways and, um, you know, you're getting hit twice as much. Yeah. That's, 
that's it's uh you definitely get a lot of mad love for, the, for those guys and mad respect for those guys because of of that and you know you don't get to come off uh, you don't come off the field <laughs> you you don't and um it, it's just it's you know that that era was just really just some some bad bad dudes you know what i mean who can do who <laughs> yeah. can, who were able to do that and uh you you got to give them mad respect for that yeah, you know, no face masks, sometimes no plastic helmets, just leather helmets and, and no problem for, for those guys. We'll get to some of the more recent Bears players next on Locked On Bears. Let's go to a couple of guys or some more of these guys that are uh, a little bit more closer to our time frame. Uh, Sean, I actually don't know how old you are, but I, so I don't know for sure that you were alive when the uh, the 85 Bears and such. I'd, I, I'd like to not... Overassume your age, but you're a, you're I, a wise I enough was. man. <laughs> I was, I was alive. I was, a, I was a freshman. Uh, was I in eighth grade? No, I was a freshman in high school. Wow, you oh. are old. No, <laughs> just kidding. But some of these bears that that were playing when when you were a kid, you know that. And again, this was a bit before my time. But for a, a fun little experiment here, like let me give you let me give you three guys or four guys, and and tell me how generally you would you would sort of sort them out because it's all these these are all all-time greats from around that same era that it is hard to kind of say you know even if you say one is better than the other it's it's really neck and neck but Mike Singletary Jimbo Covert Richard Dent Dan Hampton and again obviously some different positions and and some different things they were asked to do but how do you kind of sort out those guys and and you can even kind of throw in the rest of the 85 bears you know minus Walter Payton how do you how how do you kind of rank the best of the best out of that cr- that crop wow uh man I, it's not me, easy uh, i i go singletary next if if we're going with the 85 bears uh he was the architect of that defense um i go i have to go danimal Dan Hampton after that. And I'll tell you, man, this might surprise some people. Wilbur Marshall. Wilbur Marshall was a, was a monster in that 46 defense. And he, he was, he was just a beast. And I, I, I think I might go offensive line with, uh, with, uh, Colbert, no, Van Horn, uh, with Keith Van Horn. Uh, wow. Yeah. There's so many names. It's hard to remember them all even, you know, like the Jay Hilgenbergs and the Steve McMichaels of the world, you know, it'd be just, just, that's, that's the number one takeaway I think I've had from every time they release an installment of this, this great top 100 list. It's like, it's like, yeah, Brian Erlacher comes in 14, but there are, there's a dozen guys that all probably belong in that top 10 and you just can't fit them all in that top 10. Yeah, you can't, you're going to need, uh, 15, 20 people in that top 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it certainly makes it tough. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like these these clusters of, of different players on, on this on this list of, you know, so, you know, we talked about the 85 Bears. What about some of the more modern all-time Bears? All, all these guys kind of jumped up into the top, I guess the top 32 here, if, if we're going to, if we're going to extrapolate a little bit, you know, Brian Erlacher, Devin Hester, Olin Krutz, Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman. I mean, I think Brian Urlacher obviously belongs at the top of that list. But when you know, when you've got sort of the the next tier, the the Hester, the the Krutz, the Briggs, the Tillman, the I I, I don't know if borderline Hall of Fame is is too much of an indictment against them because I, I believe Hester belongs there and Tillman and, and et cetera. But you know, the guys that aren't surefire Hall of Famers, the Hester, the Krutz, the Briggs, the Tillman, even throw Matt Forte in there. How, how do those guys kind of shake out for you? I'll tell you what, I, I think it's Erlacher and then right after Erlacher, Devin Hester, you know, the way he re- he revolutionized the game, it, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He's, uh, 
he's one of the best. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I believe he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, especially for what he did in the kicking game. Um, so I think he would be right there. Uh, right after that, um, I want to say Briggs. I think Briggs is the perfect Robin to uh, Erlacher's Batman, and I think that you know uh, they really played well, uh, played off of each other. Uh, they played well together, and um, you know it was Briggs that sometimes did a lot of the dirty work. And, you know, allowed Brian to roam a little bit, uh, a little more freely. But Lance, Lance was a—he was a thumper. You know, he was a thumper. He—he he had no problem mixing it up and getting it in there. And uh, you know, so I, I respected his game. So I'd say Erlacher, and then uh, right after him, um, Devin Hester. Then I would go definitely Briggs would be the top of the rest of that crew. Um, then see Peanut, and I say Peanut, and then then Matt Forte. And I, I like Matt Forte. I just don't think he was uh, super special. I just think he was one of those guys who was uh, solid in everything, running the ball. He wasn't spectacular. He was he was very he was above more than above average, running the ball, above average pass catcher, above average pass blocker, but nothing spectacular. Just Mister Consistent. See, you know, I, I struggle particularly with the the Charles Tillman versus Lance Briggs discussion because. You know, I, I agree. I mean, it's Erlacher and then it's Hester. I mean, those guys were, were real game changers. And, and certainly Briggs and Tillman changed games too. But perhaps, you know, Erlacher and Hester are, are sure Hall of Famers in my mind. And, and perhaps Tillman and Briggs have a little bit more of an argument that needs to be made rather than it is inherently there. But I don't know. I feel like like what Charles Tillman did as that sort of cover two corner in a position that you know, it's not, he was never the Darrell Revis. The spotlight was never on Charles Tillman. It seemed like, he, you know, he didn't have, not that he didn't have the opportunities in terms of the targets, but it was never a scheme that necessarily put cornerbacks in a position to shine and be superstars. And yet, you know, he consistently, I mean, he had at least two, at least three interceptions in, in almost all of his fully healthy seasons. And of course, all of the forced fumbles, the way he has the move named after him, the peanut punch, and I believe as long as they've been tracking forced fumbles, but you know between the forced fumbles and interceptions, I don't know how many guys in NFL history have more turnovers than him, and maybe it's just because Lance Briggs has that Erlacher shadow in the sense that you know everything for as great as Lance Briggs is and was, everything he does looks slightly less impressive simply because the guy he's playing next to is more impressive. And I so I, I feel like that's a bias that Lance Briggs has had to deal with his entire career. But at the same time, you know, he got all the Pro Bowl recognitions for, I think, six straight years in his career, whereas Charles Tillman could barely get two Pro Bowls, you know, pretty late in his, he was 30 when he got his first Pro Bowl trip. So I, I really struggle with those two. I definitely think Peanut would have deserved uh, Pro Bowl sooner than he, than he got him. Um, I, I really do. There were just a, a, a lot of really good cornerbacks um, during his time, his, his era. And the thing about it, he's, he's from uh, Louisiana Monroe, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a smaller school, and it didn't have a lot of the panache. And you know, you come up a bigger program, you get a little more, a little more. You're more of a favor. They look with more favor upon you coming out of there. I mean, don't forget, yeah, like Champ Bailey. You had, you know, you had a, quite a few uh, good cornerbacks in his time, and. Uh, I agree. I think I think he should have been, you know, four or five time Pro Bowler, you know, with the, the amount of turnovers he had and everything. So it, he did get snubbed earlier in his career. And I was just happy he was able to get some. But I, but Charles Charles Tillman is definitely a uh, 
uh, I think is a stud for what what he did and, and the way he changed the game was was pretty amazing. Yeah, and I I particularly like that point you made about him coming out of college at Louisiana. <laughs> that I, I hadn't necessarily thought about that in, until you mentioned it there. That you know when when you do come from a smaller school, even though he was a second round pick and you know plenty in top forty pick and obviously talented, and every team could see he was talented. You know he he just doesn't get that much attention and you know the people that watched college football and then watched the NFL you know they they didn't come in really knowing who Charles Tillman was and and I feel like you know a lot of players tend to get sort of that opinion formed of them initially coming out of the draft and, and and from their time in college football and if you don't watch the bears and you don't see Charles Tillman playing every week then you, you don't necessarily see the greatness that he was able to put together at times during his bears career so I, that's a it's a good point that I hadn't thought of and I wanted to to give you extra credit for that I appreciate you giving these takes right off the top here, putting you on the spot for some uh, potentially controversial <laughs> Bears opinions there. But let's let's turn it up a notch here. Up next on the podcast, we'll go a couple of individual players head-to-head that ranked pretty close to each other on the top 100 list and kind of discuss who's better, who deserves to be ahead of the other, and, and what the biggest factors are. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. I wanted to go to a, a head-to-head position for two guys here. Didn't They didn't play with the Bears at the same time, but played roughly the same position, and they, they ranked one spot ahead, uh, away from each other on Pompey and Pearson's list. That's Julius Peppers at 59 and Khalil Mack at 60. Now, Julius Peppers, I don't think, has ever had a season with as many sacks as, as Khalil Mack had even this year. I think Mack had 12-and-a-half, and, or Peppers in his Bears career never reached the 12 sack mark. I believe he did in in his other seasons, but you know, you know Khalil Mack one season in Chicago, we don't really know if how much, you know, the the makers of this list were weighing tenure versus the team because Peppers had 4 years in Chicago, Mack has one. W- would you would you say that Mack is the more talented player than than Julius Peppers? I mean Peppers ranks ahead of him by one in this list perhaps because he's been there longer, but w- would you say Mac is more talented and just needs more time in Chicago to sort of establish himself as a true Bears great? I don't know if I'd say more talented. Uh keep it real, Julius Peppers was was a, a phenom. Um his athleticism his size and athleticism were I mean unmatched when he came out. I mean he was one of those uh yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and then plus, don't forget, we got him. Um, I mean, if we're talking strictly as a bear, then okay, yeah, I, I think he's just ahead of, of Kilomax just because of time. But, you know, Julius Peppers, um, man, that dude was a monster, you know, when he, he came in the league. So his time in, in Carolina, when he first came out um, of North Carolina, um, man, he was he was amazing. He was uh, he was a freak of nature, six seven with the athleticism that he had, the speed, the quickness, the agility, all that stuff, the power, the strength. Um, he was you know, but I think if I don't know if you want to put him head to head, man, uh, wow, yeah, wow, that's well, that's a tough one. And um, if, if head to head as a bear as bears, I'll go I'll go Khalil Mack. Yeah, and uh, you know of head-to-head course head to head as bears. Head-to-head over their careers, I think I'd take Julius Peppers. But as Bears, uh, Khalil Mack. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the way to go here in the sense that, you know, Khalil Mack is in his, what, this is his fifth season in the NFL, and Julius Peppers played 17. So it's not quite a, it's not quite ready to compare them 
overall as players because part of you know, part of what made Julius Peppers so incredible was just how long he was able to do it at such a high level. And obviously his peaks were great as well. And and perhaps his peaks and, and Khalil Mack's peaks sometimes were, you know, pretty close, but the way Peppers was able to do that for, you know, a decade in Carolina and then keep that going in Chicago and even a couple big seasons in Green Bay, as much as we hate to say it, that that was impressive for him. But yeah, you're you're right that for over the course of a career so far, you know, Julius Peppers, a special player, absolutely. And, and Mac looks to be a special player. And I wonder if by the end of their careers, if, you know, I think if you extrapolate Khalil Mack on the on the path he's been now, you know, that, that conversation becomes that much more difficult than maybe Mac can kind of go past him. But, you know, of course, he, he, he we don't know for sure that Khalil Mack can do this at this high of a level into his 30s the way Julius Peppers did, but certainly a similar level of excitement around those guys coming to Chicago. Uh, what about what about Tommy Harris and Akeem Hicks? Again, not, not quite the same position. I mean, Hicks plays some of that three-technique defensive tackle, but both guys very good at getting after the quarterback. You know, Tommy Harris had those unfortunate injury issues, but he was still a, a solid player for the Bears for some of those great Lovey Smith teams as well. You know, right in that sort of nice early 2000s so to, to late 2000s era of the Bears defense. But, you know, Akeem Hicks last year really looking like that true Pro Bowl player. So I guess the question again becomes, have we seen enough Akeem Hicks in Chicago to to put him potentially above Tommy Harris? I believe their list has Harris two spots above Akeem Hicks. How would you stack those guys next to each other? Akeem Hicks. And, and again, that's no, no disrespect at all to Tommy Harris. Tommy Harris was was a bad dude, uh, but Akeem Hicks is you know, he's a monster. I, I think he uh, he's a little more disruptive. He is uh, a little more violent. He's a little more um, I want to say athletic. Uh, and not saying to- that Tommy Harris was not athletic because he was, but I just think Akeem Hicks is a little more athletic, a little more nimble, a little more agile um, than Tommy Harris because that Tommy Harris has all those traits as well. Just I just don't think they're as prominent um as Akeem Hicks um yeah I would take Akeem Hicks over Tommy Harris yeah and and to your point you know Tommy Harris weighed again what players are listed at for their weight is is not always super accurate but their listed weights are are about 30 pounds apart and Akeem Hicks shows that similar you know explosiveness to be able to shoot that gap and I think that's that that's the backs up your point about you know Hicks being the more athletic and then the quicker and more explosive it's more impressive from Hicks because he's that bigger body and because he's not, he can't just be as slim as that three technique that can just always attack upfield. Hicks has to play over the offensive tackle more and be able to two gap a little bit more than Tommy Harris was asked to do. And I also think Hicks might be a, a little bit more, I guess, well-rounded that I, I, you know, Hicks is so good against the run and so good against the pass and not that Tommy Harris wasn't good against the run, but he was, to me, he was always more of that quick penetrator. And, and sometimes, you know, when he get a double team on him, you know, I, I trust him against the double team a little bit less than I do with Akeem Hicks. But still, again, with all these guys, we're, we're nitpicking. We're talking about great players at their respective positions. And, and saying one over the other doesn't mean we don't like one or, or you know, we love one. It's it's just a, it's, it's a fun discussion here. I, I want to wrap up with the quarterbacks because, you know, we talked about Sid Luckman at four and, and Jay Cutler. He comes down at 85 and... You know, obviously there's not a, a lot of Bears quarterbacks to go through. Jim McMahon in the middle there at, at 53. 
and and maybe this is just better a better Jay Cutler question than than quarterbacks overall. But with Cutler leading the franchise in so many records, mostly because of the era he played in, but also because he was one of the few quarterbacks that was good enough to stick on this team for what was it eight or nine years by the time from the time they traded nine. for him to the time he left. Yeah, so eight, eight years. Excuse me. Does 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 eighty five does eighty five out of the top one hundred feel low for Jay Cutler for you, or do we just give him too much credit for being around as long as he was? Too low, too low, too low. This guy is uh, Jay Cutler. I thought it was awesome. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about his, his, his facial features. Sometimes, he, you know, his body language, don't get me wrong. His talent, and as a bear, um, you, you can't you, – the, the situation that he was put in was really bad. Six offensive coordinators in eight years. Um, constantly learning a new offense, and that just wasn't him. That was everybody else who had to learn the offense, everybody else who had to be on the same page. And it's, uh, it wasn't always necessarily his fault. Uh, and again, don't get me wrong, he did more than enough to, to earn all the criticism that he got. All right, he did. Um, but there's a lot of other things that, that people just don't understand, you know, because oftentimes they don't show the receiver, uh, you know, who, may, who runs a bad route. You know, how many times did you see Jay throw the ball right at, at a defender? You're like, well, where the hell are you doing? Well, Jay's thinking this receiver is going to do one thing, and the receiver ran a wrong route or, or misread something, and so he he didn't get a, a good rap. He got a bad rap. He didn't get a, he got a bad rap here in Chicago. But 85, as you said, or that's way too too low too low for Jay. He needs to be a little higher. Do you have a? I mean, with with obviously without going through, you know, every player is there a general range? You, you know, you feel like like is he a top? 50 bear of all time. I mean, I think there's so many guys, you know, it's hard, you know, even, even 25, you're starting to get to like the, the Lance Briggs and Charles Tillman and Matt Forte's of the world. So, you know, is that, is that, I mean, it, it's totally hypothetical here and no one's going to be like, Oh, you said Jay color is this, is this, but like, you know, top, you know, top 60, top 50. Do you have a, a general feeling of like a range for him? Top 50. Well, cause maybe, maybe, yeah. Top 50. Because like Jim McMahon comes in fifty three here, and and would would you put Jay Cutler above Jim? Because you know Jim gets the Super Bowl, but he also played with the greatest defense perhaps in NFL history. I believe in NFL history. There's of course debate on that. So McMahon had so much more around him for the Super Bowl that he won, but and obviously didn't put up the statistical production, but different eras. I mean, where, where would you kind of stack Jay Cutler versus Jim McMahon? Uh, with Jim McMahon, I would put Jay McMahon. It is because there's a lot of intangibles, you know, as far as a leader and, and, you know, everyone rallied around McMahon and um, it's tough, you know, because Jim McMahon was, was, he was a tough SOB and people don't want to talk about it. You know, think of all the, all the beatings he got, you know, people talk about McMahon being tough and, uh, and he was, you know, but so was Cutler. You know, remember the first couple of years, he didn't have an offensive line. He was running back. He was back there running for his life. And it was, um, man. It, w- it was tough. So if I had to go head to head with Cutler and and, and McMahon, I, I <clears throat> might be the toughest one I've asked you. Yeah, you know what? I think I, I think I would take and just as Bears. I man, I would I think I'd take put Cutler slightly ahead of McMahon. Wow, that's. I mean, I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I disagree. I. I and I, I I don't know whether I, I'm trying to like make sure I'm not like giving a recency <laughs> bias to this kind of thing, you know that oh well we've seen Jay Cutler play more recently and you know we've seen the things that he can do so you know and it makes you wonder like the reason, because I, what I did is is I, I put I put those guys on 
on each other's teams. So I put Cutler back in 85, and I put uh, McMahon in the Cutler era, 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, first of all, the arm strength is nowhere. It's not even, it's not even comparable, the arm strength. Uh, Cutler has a gun. Uh, secondly, you know, the amount of beatings they took. You know, I don't know if Jim McMahon would have been able to take the beatings that, that Cutler took in, in those first couple of years. And, and I think if you put Cutler on the 85 Bears, there's more than enough people, Sweetness, uh, Mongol, Hampton, uh, Hilgenberg, Board, those guys that would have would have kept Cutler in line. He wouldn't have been a little diva that he was. And then I, I don't know. And then I don't know. I don't think McMahon would have had all the passing records uh, that Cutler had. I, I don't think he'd have the uh, the product productivity. Yeah. Well, uh, the one thing that you have behind you, and I think I, I'm I'm agree. I agree with you in in your opinion there. But the the one thing you have to support that is Dan Hampton himself. You might remember. I believe it was the Hall of Fame a couple of summers ago. The, the quote from Dan Hampton was that the 85 Bears would have won four Super Bowls if they had had Jay Cutler as their quarterback. So the number 11 guy on the top 100 list agrees with the Cutler over McMahon opinion there. And the 100 list, of course, McMahon at 53 and Cutler at 85. So uh, obviously Dan Pompey and, and uh, Don Pearson disagree, but that's the fun of this discussion. It's 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 off-season Bears talk. It's it's good to kind of reminisce and, and go over some of these players and just kind of try and compare skill sets across different time periods. It's 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 an impossible task, really. And uh, Sean, I appreciate you uh, taking me putting you on the spot and and giving some some tough decisions and some tough opinions out there about about these best Bears players. Where can people find more of your Bears talk and and your stuff on social media? Oh, you can follow me at. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at the Sean Sierra. Uh, then you can also follow my show, Sean and Maya, in the morning, every day, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon Central Standard Time. Uh, just go to Facebook.com backslash Sean and Maya. That's S-H-A-W-N-A-N-D, and Maya is spelled M-A-Y-A. So you can check us out there. We have an app. With all that information is on the page when you go and check it out. So like us on Facebook. Check us out there, and uh, you can get some uh, real hardcore uh, Bears analysis. Every uh, if you tune in, and it, and it's more than just Bears; it's all Chicago sports. And uh, Sean's had me on a couple all of times. Chicago sports, and I, I really appreciate it when you have me on. So I, I I try and return the favor as much as I can here on the podcast as well. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to join me this evening and uh, talk some Bears top one hundred. You're definitely in my top one hundred uh, Chicago radio hosts. You're, you're still working your way up, though. <laughs> I'll take it, dude. Trust me. I'll be number one in your heart soon. <laughs> oh, you, you're already number one in my heart. Don't worry, Sean. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, no problem, Lord. Anytime, buddy. Thanks again to Sean Sierra from Sean and Maya in the Morning for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you come on back for more and subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'd particularly appreciate a a review and a rating on iTunes if you happen to use that service or if you listen on Himalaya or Google Podcasts or Spotify, whatever you do, we appreciate you tuning in. And one of the best ways you can help is to just tell a friend about the podcast, help us reach more Bears fans this offseason. You can also follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bears, Facebook, Locked On Bears, Instagram at Locked On Bears. I'm on Twitter at Cox Sports and the number one as well. So, Plenty of different ways to keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. We'll be back on Monday to bring you all the latest off-season updates we can. I believe we get our next 
OTAs substance on Wednesday when the, when the team meets again with the media. But anything we can kind of glimpse from practices or anything else that goes on, we'll be right here to keep you up to date and give you every reason to bear down. <laughs>